0: Hi, welcome to Living Water Bible Fellowship's audio sermons. It's our prayer and hope that you'll be encouraged and uplifted by the preaching of God's Word. Stick around after the message to hear more about how to contact us.
1: What do you do when your life is threatened? What do you do when your life seems like it's going to fall apart at any moment? Last week uh, in Monte Vista, the fire came and it came rapidly and uh, there was a lot of fear in the air. Uh, all the text I got, all the Facebook uh, conversation that I saw, there was, there was a lot of fear happening that suddenly, out of the blue, your life could change and be transformed and everything could be taken away from you in a moment. Uh, around Colorado, there's already been a lot of fires, a lot of threats, a lot of uh, devastation, and uh, we're, we're forecasting many more fires this summer, many more things that could happen. Uh, we, we step back from that, fires and a danger of wildfires and a danger of fires in, in communities, and we think about this life, uh, boy, all the threats that are all around, all the things that could cause worry and anxiety and fear. Uh, I'll tell you a story, uh, maybe the time I was most afraid in my life. Uh, parenting will do that to you. <laughs> But my, my daughter, uh, she graduated, and, and she was 18, and she decided she was going to take a gap year uh, trip. And, you know, that, that's on her. She saved up the money. She worked for the money, and she she uh, She went. She was going to Vietnam, and she was 18, and, and, you know, she was traveling on her own, and she flew into Hong Kong. She figured that out, and then she flew into Vietnam. And, um, you know, we are praying the whole time. We're, we're thinking about her the whole time, and... Just lifting her up and, whoa, man, this is, this is a, you yeah, but that's her personality. She loves it. And so she's in her environment. She's thriving. But she, she gives me a call. She's been gone from Denver for about 24 hours. And there were some delays. There were some things happening. And, and she called me up and she said, Dad, I, I'm at the airport in Vietnam. I'm just about to enter the taxi area. If you've ever been in, a, in another country, the chaos outside of the airport doors Right, where, where the guys are screaming at you, taxi, right here, you know, they're, 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 they're hounding you. And I just, my, my anxiety rose as she said that, okay, you, but you can do this. And she said, dad, uh, you know, the company that she was with, the, the gap year program she was with, they sent her a picture of the guy who was supposed to pick her up. So the game plan was, okay, uh, the, the guy, here's, here's his picture, and he's going to have a sign with your name on it. You know, Katie Parkins. Okay, and so she said, Dad, uh, there's a guy out there with my name, but it's not the guy in the picture. What should I do? And at that moment, as I'm coming up with an answer, her phone dies. <laughs> she had forgotten to charge it or couldn't charge it in traveling. And so here I am, and Elizabeth, we start talking about it. You know, we, unfortunately, uh, with one of our kids, they had us watch that movie Taken. A few weeks before? Not smart. And so my 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 18-year-old little girl, my, my sweet little girl, is out there by herself in Vietnam and she's got to make a decision. Terrifying fear and anxiety is rising. How do you handle life when life comes at you in so many hard and difficult and challenging ways? But fear would have you. Fear would consume you. Uh, in this room, uh, just in the last several months, you know, people on ventilators, people that just diagnosed with cancer, people losing jobs, businesses closing, uh, drug dealers moving in next door. The list goes on and on and on. How do you handle that? And how do you handle that? How do you how do you deal with that when the storm is coming? What would God have us do? How would God have us behave? What would God have us think in those moments? Please open your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. May God bless the reading of His Holy Word. Mark, chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, "Let us go across to the other side." Jesus had been teaching for, for uh, all day. Basically, uh, it was hard work. He was uh, pouring himself out. Uh, Jesus had a lot of power, uh, grace, and preaching and teaching. And and but even even me, you know, when I when I think about teaching all day or talking to people all day, it makes me feel exhausted. But he said that, that, that evening as the sun went down, let us go over to the other side. So he's in a boat. Uh, leaving the crowd, they took him with them in a boat just as he was. And the other boats were with him. They had, they had set up the boat off the shore because the crowds were so intense. And the crowds were trying to touch him. And the, tr- the people were trying to get healed. And so they, there's a fear of him being crushed. So they put him in a boat as a pulpit out there in the water in the Sea of Galilee. Verse 37, and a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. The natural uh, topography of the area, the region, is the Sea of Galilee. Some of you have been there. You know that the, the, it's below sea level, okay? Some 700 feet below sea level, but around the lake there's hills, and to the north there's Mount Hermon that uh, you know, rises the elevation gain. And, and so the storms that are, arise sometimes because of the low elevation in the hills and the, in the mountain, they can be terrible. Hurricane force storms. And here they are in, at night out in the water, and it comes. You, you, you think maybe that um, probably the storm, the wind was approaching San Luis Valley levels. So it's bad. You can't hear nothing. The waves are crashing. The water's coming into the boat. Archeologists have found boats uh, from, they think, from that day and time. They, they found them buried in the mud. And uh, the, the length was typically about 26 feet long, about seven feet wide, maybe four feet tall. They could harry, carry about 15 people, two rowers on each side. But they're, they're fairly good sized boats, pretty stable. When the water's coming over and the waves are about to capsize your boat, you get afraid. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Now that's a big deal. He had professional fishermen in the boat. You know, these guys, they grew up on the lake. That's, that's all they knew, some of these guys. They, they knew the lake. They knew the water. They, they knew everything about the lake. And so if they think they're dying, you're in trouble. Hmm. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? I imagine some of you have been in that very place, not on the lake perhaps, Not in that kind of a storm, but you've been in places where you've turned to God with tears running down your face. You've turned to God in agony or in pain or in suffering or worry for your kids. And you've cried out, don't you care, God? Where are you, God? Why aren't you stopping the storm, God? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm he said to them why are you so afraid is it (laughs) how can he ask that why are you so afraid have you still no faith And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? They were afraid of the storm, but after the supernatural events that happened, they were more afraid of Jesus. Well, we, we read this and we see ourselves, hopefully you see yourself here in some fashion. Hopefully you remember the times that you were afraid. The things that came into your life. Man, I, I started thinking this week about all the times I've been afraid. And, and by God's grace, uh, I'm not a very fearful person. But I remember one time in boot camp. I remember I had a little squad that I was overseeing. And, and, and we had an inspection coming up. And, and we did our thing. We, did, you know, we made our beds. We polished our boots. We did all the things that we have, you do in boot camp. Some of the squirrely, goofy stuff you do, right? And, and, and I went away to the, the, the medical facility for a checkup. And while I, came, the company, while I was away, the company commander came, and he looked at our, our, our work, and he trashed it. He, he thought, this is the worst thing ever, my, my squad mates told me afterwards. And he told, me, uh, he told them while I was away, man, when Parkins gets back, I'm going to kill him. And they told me that, and I was like, oh, man, fear arose at that moment. Because he had all power over me, or so I thought. Maybe there's things that you have, uh, recall being afraid of and, and scared of, and they've passed, and you've made it through, and you've made it to the other side, and, and you just, you're, you're content, and thank you, God. Maybe, maybe you realize it wasn't as frightful as you thought it was, but maybe right now you're looking at some things that are terrifying. Maybe the doctor has given you the diagnosis, um, Maybe uh, maybe your spouse has threatened to leave you. Maybe your kid has something going on that you can't fix yourself. And you're threatened by what's happening. You're 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 overcome with anxiety and worry. These men were. Uh, we as Christians, we, we come to Jesus Christ and and if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you, it means you've given your, your life to Him. To be a, a follower of Jesus Christ means you've entrusted your life to Him, you've trusted your days to Him, you've entrusted your everything to Him. He is Lord. He's supposed to be in control. He's supposed to be watching over you and supposed to be taking care of you. That we come with the connotation that once we give over our lives to Him, sometimes we come with the idea or the belief that everything's going to go well. And frankly, that's not true. Sometimes we're in churches. uh, uh, Certain speakers or certain people tell us that, man, if you go to Jesus, everything's going to go great. You'll never experience pain. You'll never experience suffering. You'll never experience trial or tribulation. If you have enough faith, you'll never have to go through this or that or what your unbelieving neighbors go through. That's not true. There's nobody in the Bible that got out scot-free. All the heroes of the faith, all the, all the overcomers, all the ones who are lifted up, they all suffered. Some natural causes, some, some normal things, some suffered because they were following Jesus. Trials and tribulations, some lost their life because they were faithful to Jesus. Uh, we live in a world, of course, where there is an enemy who wants to kill us. Uh, the, the storm, where did that come from, just as an example? The way that uh, Mark portrays the storm, the, the words that Jesus uses, uh, Jesus rebuked the storm. <clears throat> Strange personification for a natural cause. And the word uh, for be still, it's the same word that Jesus used to cast out demons. <clears throat> In exorcism, the Jewish, ec- Jewish exorcist would use that very word to try to remove demons from people. And so theologians and interpreters through the centuries have suggested that this storm had a satanic origin, that the enemy was trying to kill Jesus in the boat, or at least keep him from ministry. Because why did he want to go to the other side? Why did he want to leave that place? We read earlier in Mark that uh, after Jesus had preached in a certain place and he healed many people, he said, let's go to the other villages in Galilee and may preach there also. And so we think that he was leaving the northern part of the shore, traveling east uh, to the, the eastern side of the of the of the Sea of Galilee uh, to minister to people, to love people, to serve people, to seek their benefit, to help them in their, their life, to preach the gospel. Uh, we 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 you know that's that's certainly possible. There was an attack there that wasn't expected, or at least by by the apostles and disciples. But we live in a world where we do. We, we live in a spiritual battle as Christians. But we live in a world that the systems don't work oftentimes. We live in a world where uh, where people are selfish. And they're evil at times. <clears throat> we live in a world where these bodies are deteriorating. We live in a world where everything is in a state of decomposition. Everything from structure and And stability to falling apart is what the physicists tell us is happening in our world. You can't live in this world without trouble coming, in other words. You can't live in this world without pain. You can't live in this world without suffering. It comes to every one of us without fail. Sooner or later, everybody has trouble. Sooner or later, everybody is faced with something that threatens their existence, or their family, or their job, or their security. What do you do when the storm arises? The men in the boat had apparently an expectation that nothing would happen with them, nothing would happen to them because they were going with Jesus. They, they had an expectation that there couldn't any, be anything bad. They couldn't, they couldn't uh, come troubled to such a degree that their life would be threatened. And yet there's the storm. And, and their, their heart, their beliefs, their understandings are exposed. You, you can set the, the, the scene if you've ever been in... in anybody here been in wind lately? <laughs> but as you can imagine when the wind's howling and they're out and the waves are crashing, that when they come to Jesus, they're not saying, oh, Jesus, wake up. You know, we're in trouble. They're like, Jesus, don't you care? They're yelling, they're screaming in desperation for rescue. But their, their heart is exposed, their, their, their beliefs are exposed Their false expectations are exposed that he should have done something. He should have cared more. He should have thought of them more. They feel betrayed. Don't you care that we're perishing? Don't you care that we're drowning here? Uh, They're sarcastic and they're rude. There's not a lot of trust there. There's not a lot of faith there when it comes to the relationship with Jesus at this point. And so Jesus gets up. I don't know how he normally woke up. He woke up grumpy or if he woke up happy. But at that moment, he gets up and he goes to work. There's an epiphany There's a moment of understanding that comes over the disciples as they see him say to the wind, stop, rebuke the wind, and it stops on a dime. That's impossible. When he speaks to the sea and he says, stop, waves, things that have set in motion, things that are moving, it's impossible for them to stop like that. And so what is on display is almighty God's power. At that moment, they see something they didn't see before. I mean, they've been traveling with Jesus. They've been been hearing Him preach. They've seen healings. But this is something extraordinary beyond comprehension. The power of God is in Jesus Christ. The authority of God is found in Jesus Christ. He commands, and just like in the beginning, when God spoke and the world was made, when God spoke and the galaxies came into existence, when God spoke and the Spirit of God hovering over the waters brought order to the chaos, the Word of God is powerful because God spoke powerfully and everything changed. Jesus, He, uh, he rebukes the sea. Then He Reproaches the disciples. Are you really afraid? Have you still no faith? You see, Jesus has been walking with them for many months now, going on years. He's taught them again and again. He spoke to them again and again about life and reality and his relationship with the Father. And they're still not grasping it. Or maybe they have grasped the fact that God's Son, the Christ, is in their midst because they've confessed Him as Christ. Maybe they've grasped it. Maybe they've come to, to realize that someone great is in their midst, but they still haven't responded to life in faith. They still haven't trusted this Jesus. Jesus one of them to have faith in that storm. That what was happening to them was dangerous. It was threatening. It was maybe even evil. But he wanted them to respond to that trouble and that tribulation and that trial in that terrible moment with faith. And they didn't. Right now, you have trust in God. Right now, with the things that are yelling at you, maybe your bank account has hit zero and you're afraid. Are you able to trust God with that? Right now, maybe your body is uh, come back with a blood work that the doctor isn't pleased with. Right now, are you trusting God with that problem? Have you placed that situation before the Lord in faith? Many of us go through days and even weeks Dwelling in anxiety and fear. Our minds are great at creating scenarios. (laughs) Our our minds, God has given us an imagination that can take us there. The what-ifs grow. The mountains build in our minds. The giants become greater in our minds as we think about that contingency happening. What if that happens? What if that circumstance, what if that blooms and blossoms? What if that goes? And It's no wonder we don't sleep at night. It's no wonder why people choose sometimes to self-medicate to drown out the fears and anxieties. Some people think that they have to live with fear or they, they think that they are powerless to change their thinking or their situation. What does God want from you when the storm comes uh, after Katie's phone died um, I said I, I told you I was afraid and Elizabeth was afraid too. we were in certain circumstances like I, I think Elizabeth was with a group of people where she had to uh, continue on with a program and I was in certain circumstances that I had to move through my day and I, I had an awful hard time but at some point At some point, as I was praying, as I was processing, as I was thinking over things, uh, a point of of change happened. The fear gave way to trust. I I didn't have the uh, you know the it wasn't because I was special. It wasn't because you know I I had all uh, I, I had some kind of supernatural faith. But there came a point where I remembered who my God was. There came a point as I was thinking through things and I was powerless. I I mean, I looked up all the, I tried to find all the numbers for that organization to call. I called a few, nothing, no response. I'm not going to suggest that organization to you in the future. I I couldn't find the emergency number and I was like, oh. And and so at some point I just had to say, um, God, you've got this. In other words, I had to make the choice to trust. Now, how do you do that? How how do you get there? Well, our belief has to be founded on something. Our our decision to trust has to be founded on something, doesn't it? It it comes from somewhere. And for me, by God's grace, uh, my life has been steeped in the Word of God for many years now. By, by God's grace, by God's uh, placing me in a certain environment uh, in, in the last 30 years, I've been able to uh, know what the Word says and have the opportunity to believe what the Word says. And so the way that I came to the point of, of saying no to fear, of, of giving up that, that great anxiety that I felt for my daughter, I had to come to the point of trusting my God. The disciples had Jesus in the boat with them during the storm. They let fear reign because they took their eyes off of Jesus and they locked into the storm and its threats and its power. There is a simple but strong truth that for us as Christians to overcome fear and anxiety and worry We have to trust in the master who's in the boat with us. Now, how did that play out in my life? Personalities are different. Styles are different. Ways of thinking are different. In my life, I I came in that situation, that setting, and it's come again and again in my life where I'm faced with anxiety or fear or worry. Oh, this is happening. Or those people are mad at me. or, Or those people are upset or whatever. I... I come to the point of i, I got to go down the list and i got to check the boxes again about what my God is like and what His character is like and who He is. My Jesus is love and He loves me. My Jesus is love and He loves my daughter. And, and love in our theological class is God pursuing the benefit of others. My Jesus loves me. He's always pursuing my benefit, always pursuing my good. Even though some of the things that happen in my life, some of the things that he allows, aren't good. I I come to the point of of thinking and processing about God's love. And then I I come to the point of thinking and processing about my God is all powerful. My Jesus can do all things. Nothing is impossible with him. And so I start adding things up. My God loves my daughter. She she turned her life over to him. She's living for him. She's she's his daughter. He loves her more than I ever could as her parent. He's got her. he, 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 He loves her. If I thought for a minute that God was not omnipotent, I would have trouble trusting my daughter to Jesus. But the word says that my God is love my, the word says, my God is all powerful. Okay. The, the word says that my God knows all things. I didn't know what was happening to Katie at that moment. As her, as her earthly dad, I was freaking out. But I had to intentionally choose to believe that my God knows all things as the Bible teaches that he knew what exactly that man was up to, that he knew exactly where she would be taken, that he knew exactly what would transpire in the moments and hours ahead. I chose to trust in the God who knows all things because I chose to trust in the God who's all-powerful. I chose to trust in the God who loves and always seeks the benefit of his children. In the big picture, of course, but nevertheless love, I chose to believe that God was with her because the word says, Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I chose to believe that God was present. The omnipresent God was present with my daughter. He was there no matter where she went, for good or for woe. For good or for evil, no matter where she went, he would be with her. He would know everything. He had the power to do anything he wanted, and because he had the power, he knew he was with her and he loved her. Gave me great hope. I believed that I, I, you know, it's amazing what comes to your mind in times of duress. I believe the word. That told me that God is in control of all things. I believe the word that told me that God is sovereign, that there's nothing outside of His control, there's nothing outside of His power, there's nothing outside of His grace. I believe the word when it says that God is wise, that He, He knows the ends that He wants to achieve, He knows the best ends. That he wants to take my daughter, that he that he knows the best way to get there. Ultimately, all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So I'm I'm adding all this stuff in my up all this stuff in my mind. My, my, my trust in God is not based on feelings. My trust in God is not based on a whim or a gut. My trust in God is not based on the wind blowing or not blowing that day, or my, my happiness or my downcast nature that day. My trust in God is based on the truth, based on the word, based on what God has said about himself in the word. And so when I look at my daughter, and, and you know, every, of course, every situation is different, but in this, this situation, this moment, all these things were swirling around in my head. God is wise. He knows what he's doing. God is love. He wants the best for her. Love is to seek out the benefit of another. God is powerful. He can do whatever He wants. God knows everything, He knows what's going on. He is sovereign, He's in control. Lord, I trust you right now with my daughter. What does God want you to do this week when danger comes, when you're threatened, when you're feeling overwhelmed, when the storm is coming, when the creek is rising? He wants you to trust Him. But trust is a choice. Trust is a decision that you have to make. Our default is fear our default is anxiety our our default our normal response to stimulus in this world the stimuli in this world is fear cuz i'm not in control i can't i can't take care of things i, I can't manipulate things i'm fearful i'm gonna, if i'm worried about my security my safety and, and everything i can put 12 locks on my doors but i'm still feeling anxious anxious what what do you do well fear is the normal response and so everybody living in fear and anxiety and worry and stress and strain it's a hard world to be when you're always afraid. And so we as Christians are given the Word. That we as Christians are called to trust in what the Word says about our God. Jesus is in your life, Christian. Jesus, the One who has all authority and all power, dwells in you. Jesus, the one who commanded nature to cease, is with you every moment of this next week. Will you choose to trust Him with your stuff? Will you choose to trust Him with your fear? The the Bible uh, sees the fear and and faith as as, uh, opposite poles. Uh, the, most, the biggest, uh, I guess the, the most repeated command in the Bible is fear not. Somebody told me that uh, 365 commands in the Bible say fear not, one for every day. But man, if you let fear rule your life, you're going to have a hard time trusting God. You're going to have a hard time uh, being these kind of people that Jesus wants us to be. Say no to fear by believing the word and trusting in Jesus. If he is in your boat, even though storms can rage a long time, even though things can happen that are terrible in our lives, if he's the captain of your ship, you're safe. Trust in Him this week. Trust in Him with your life. That's what God wants you to do when you're threatened. That's what God wants you to do when your life seems like it's going to fall apart. That's what you've got to do. That's what you need to do when the enemy comes to seek and kill and destroy. Trust in Jesus. He will save you. Sooner or later. I, I, I bring this to you in, in the sense that we live in a scary world today. It seems like everything is ramping up. It seems like you read about uh, young adults children, teenagers, the rates of anxiety and depression through the roof, people contemplating suicide and running away, trying to find some peace, alcohol abuse and drug abuse rising When you are in the midst of struggle, when you are in the midst of trial and tribulation, when when the cancer is stage four, when the abuse is not stopping, when the evil is knocking at your door, and you are crying out and and, and you're tempted to say, God, I don't understand how this is good. I don't understand how you're bringing good to the situation. God, I don't understand where you're going with this. God, I don't understand how you're allowing this to transpire. God, if I was a parent and I had all power, I would not let my kid go through this. We're tempted to slander God and sin against God. We're tempted to, to, to accuse God of, of not caring and not, not being near. We're, we're tempted to accuse God and, and put Him in His place and say, how could you? We're we're tempted to treat Him rudely, call Him out, and thrash Him verbally. But even if you're in the midst of a great suffering right now, please choose to trust Him. And sooner or later, you will see the salvation of God in light of eternity, in light of our heavenly uh, future, we are going to be vindicated for our faith. We will see salvation. Choose to trust Him today, no matter what you're facing. That's what God wants, is the blessing He's given us to imagine that storm, imagine on that boat, imagine their fear, and yet imagine Jesus setting everything right. Trust Him in your life with your storm today. He is trustworthy. Experience it, live it. Please stand in the Lord's presence as we depart. Lord God, thank you for your grace in our lives. Thank you for letting us worship you today. Thank you for letting us sing to you and and remember truths about standing on the rock, about trusting you with all things, that you're so good and you're so great, you love us and you're for us, that you're in control, that you're wise, that you know what you're doing. Thank you for letting us recount the truths. Thank you for the time at the table. Thank you for letting us worship you for dying on that cross and rising from the dead to defeat death. Thank you for letting us magnify you and glorify you, Lord, today. Thank you for meeting with us. And now, Lord, may you send us out into the world. May you let us be servants this week for your glory, for your fame. May you let us love people in your name. May you let us preach the gospel this week, the good news that God reigns and that salvation and forgiveness of sins is found in him. Give us the grace, Lord, to be worshipers even now as we enter the mission field. To you be all praise and honor and glory, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we say, amen.
0: Thank you so much for listening. The gospel according to the Bible is that Jesus Christ, who was and is the eternal God, took on human flesh, was born of a virgin, died for our sins on the cross, and rose from the dead three days later. He then ascended to the Father's right hand, where he sits making intercession for his people, and right now he is establishing the kingdom of God on earth. You can enter into a saving relationship with God by repenting of your sins and placing your full trust in Jesus' life, his death and resurrection on your behalf. In Christ, you will find forgiveness, acceptance, freedom, peace, hope, and a future. If you would like more information about Christianity or Living Water Bible Fellowship, visit our website at livingwateralamosa.org. God bless.